Hey guys, welcome to Treat Up Podcast with hosts Kevin Atwood and Stephen Skaggs. Brought to you by Wild Leg Productions. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in tonight to Treat Up Podcast. I've got Stephen Skaggin with me tonight, and we are sitting down to talk to Mr. Clifton Robinson. Clifton, if you could let everybody know who they're talking to and a little bit about yourself. All right, Clifton Robinson. I'm a retired conservation officer in Alabama. Got into cur dogs about 10 years. Loved it, so I do it all the time. What's uh, what's going on now? What can you tell us right now as far as what, what dogs are you hunting and what's your hunting looking like right now? Well, I'm hunting a new dog now. Call her Swimmer. And the way she got her name was when she was born, feet looked funny. And I was like, what in the world is that? Well, uh, the mama dog was having a lot of trouble last pup. When they was looking at her, I said, hey, check what the heck is this? Backwards and out to the side kind of like a sea turtle. Huh. And that's where they get that Swimmer syndrome. So I named her Swimmer. Every day... I'd go down to the dog box and turn her feet the proper way and rub them and stimulate them and stuff. And, and I was able to save that little dog. I almost knocked her in the head. Oh, <laughs> but no. I was able to save it. She won the junior hunt at Jamestown back in March and won the combo dog up there in March. And I got kind of all excited about her. But we've, we've done a little placement with her here and there. Nothing too major just yet, but she just turned two years old. Maybe this year she'll show enough to turn it on, but she's what I'm campaigning this year for the most part. I got two more that I'm going to coon hunt a few more times in the United Mountain Care Association in the hopes to make them the first ever Supreme Grand Night Champions. That's that's my goal with them two, and they're kind of old and wore out. That's Abby and uh, Newt. Now you got the, did you get uh, the dog you have now? Have you had her since she was a pup, since she was a young dog, and have you brought her up? Yeah, I, she's out of my Abby dog. I had bred Abby to Fourth Pine Mountain Bend. She's one of the only had three that lived, and she's one of those. Oh, okay. So you brought her up, and I understand that you do quite a bit of training bringing these dog up yourself, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. But if you could, okay. uh, the dog you have now, let's just kind of start with her. A lot of guys that listen to this show are just like us, that we love to have the tips and advice, and especially this time of year, you know, we're fixing to – to kick it into high gear and then leaves start falling off and, and put these dogs in the woods. So uh, how, what do you go about, especially this time of year, if you've got a young dog, let's just say right now somebody's got that young dog they're trying to start or that pup right now that they're trying to get going and uh, with the leaves getting ready to fall off the trees, uh, what, what would be your game plan going into that with the dog? Well, you know, like the old timers say, boot leather, boot leather. <laughs> put the boots on the ground, put the dog in the woods and and just go and go and go. Let the natural instincts come out in them. It's, it's more about not training them per se for the most part. It's more about giving them opportunity, subjecting them to opportunities to come across game and stuff. And, you know, if you got a young dog and starting to tree a little bit and you're like, I don't know if it's there or not. And usually if that dog going back and forth checking trees and it goes to the same tree repetitively, I just consider that tree to be the right tree. Leash that dog up, pet him up, get him excited, you know, reward him with some loving. I think that's important. You know, some people are much harsher than I am. I believe in giving them love. If, if they'll do it for love, they'll keep doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. A lot of our listeners are, are competition guys, and, and, you know, there's probably going to be several that know who you are, but uh, – there's a lot of them that are pleasure guys and everything, and we, we kind of like to let you, give you give you a little chance to kind of brag on yourself and, and let us know some of your accomplishments. That way they can kind of get an idea of where this kind of information is coming from, you know. And uh, Okay. So uh, tell us about some of your titles. Well, uh, I don't have anything compared to Myrtle Sailing now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I do hunt a lot, and I go a lot, and, and my goal is to – like whatever registry I start competing in is to get that dog its squirrel champion title or night champion title, tree champion title, bench titles, whatever it is. Right. I believe in all the doing all the stuff. I hardly ever win a bench show. I'm almost convinced that must have to be part popularity. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, all the games that we play to evaluate the dog. Of course, everybody places squirrel as numero uno right so do i uh but then i also enjoy coon hunting and i think it's important to get other people involved with the dogs at an early stage and and, and spectators they like to watch the bench shows and the treeing contest water yeah. races and they're like hey man that that water race is pretty cool i think i might try that that bench show was pretty cool i might try that treeing contest you know and i i don't know why other people belittle those titles right. some people do but 
I don't, and I don't I don't believe title from any other registry either. I mean, I hunt them all: NKC, UKC, UMCA, OMCBA, NSD. To to me, if a guy says he's got a title and whatever, to me, I just assume he earned it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So I I got a dog out here now, new that's earned me probably the most. Well, ain't no probably. He's earned me the most titles of any dog I've got. But, you know, he'll also play all the games. I think I got, I don't know, 23 titles on him, I think it is. NKC, UKC, OMCBA, Squirrel Champion, Night Champion, I don't know, six registries, Grand Night Champion in three of those, and Night Champion in two registries where he had to compete against hounds, predominantly hounds, PKC and NSD when they had Night Champions. You know, he got me a dog of the year last year in OMCBA and UMCA. You know, those those are some of the major accomplishments. And Abby the same way. She's squirrel champion in three or four registries and night champion, grand night champion in six registries. You know, I did have somebody ask me one time. I said, my goodness, how many uh, competition hunts do you go to in a year? And I said, 52. And then somebody said, well, does that count those weeknight PKC hunts? And I said, oh, yeah, I forgot about those. Oh, no. <laughs> Golly. That's some, uh, that's some traveling. My truck people keep telling me I'll need a new one one day. It's got 374,000 miles on it. Good grief. <laughs> God. Yeah, and that always drives. Yeah. Well, Good I mean, grief. if it gets you there, that's... Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well... It, it got me stranded in Arkansas one time, but hey, that's a whole other story. <laughs> you, could, you could get stranded in a new one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. While, while I'm Can't thinking you. about it, I've heard you mention this a few times, and I, I'm not a competition hunter. I say that every episode. But what is water competition? I've heard you talk about that. Oh, that's a water race. NKC offers that. and I don't know. Uh, UKC used to offer it for their hounds. I don't know if they still do or not. But a water race is like at our club. It's a UKC predominantly club and uh so they got it rigged up for water races and you have this starting box like you know like horses have at racetracks mm -hmm. you put these dogs box four or five holes for four or five dogs you know and there's a cable that runs from that box to the far end of a pond well you put a coon in the cage and the dogs get all fired up and you pull that coon down that cable and the dogs come out of that box and swim that pond and they get so many points for getting to the end of the pond first to a certain point. And then dogs get points for whoever barks first. For Newt, there was never any doubt. So that's that, when you hear water race, that's what that's about. Just not many people do it because yeah. they're not, not set up for it. So that's predominantly a coon, coon dog. Yeah. And it's it's a hoot to watch. People love watching. I wish more of the cur registries would adopt that water race thing. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a setup like that. You could just go to a pond and show the dogs to cut on the other side and cut them loose. Might work. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But well, it's fun. And, and whenever the cur dogs come against the hounds, sometimes we'll, they'll have a little vents at a club just for, for fun. It's not sanctioned or anything. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see the cur dog show up. Oh, yeah. No. It, yeah. it ain't even close. Or out swim the hound by full body length. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that. So back back yep. to your training, get you back on that. When you uh, have a pup coming up, how often do you use do you use an older dog to hunt with this younger pup, or how do you utilize that if you do? I don't use a older dog much at all to train a younger dog because you want them to be as independent as, as possible, and, and you don't want a dog a younger dog barking what they call me too and just because another dog's treeing. However, when I have a young dog, let's say it's two, three, four months old or whatever, I let it go on the hunts, not for necessarily training, but for exposure to the woods and scents and sounds, you know, because even if I shoot down a squirrel off the older dog, you know, he gets to smell hot squirrel and get all excited about it, maybe hang it up and let him bark at it some yeah. or something. But most of the training is I try to expose them when they're real little, imprint them on, on things like coming in with that older dog and a, squirrel you know i might take that squirrel and drag it around let that dog find it skin it out and use that hide to let it drag and encourage the dog to bark at it or even when they're real little puppies you know i'd let them hunt for food in the grass you know wink hot dogs and things like that or maybe if you got a toy that little puppies like to play with dab it with some squirrel scent every now and then anything to awaken the dog's prey drive mm -hmm. the dog needs to chase stuff now, if you get a six-week-old puppy and you put it in a dog kennel 
and you don't do anything but feed and water that sucker, and then it's eight months old, and you want to send it to a trainer or a starter, he's way behind the eight ball on that one. Yeah. So that's the main thing. You know, I don't really train them. I just I start them. I give them opportunity. Now, I work my butt off on some of them. Some of them are easy, mm-hmm. and some of them are hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some sometimes I do, like I said, drags, catch something and turn it out in front of them, walk them out on feeders over and over. Mm-hmm. But I, I literally do it all day long. I, yeah. These squirrels, they get treed so much here at my house. I can literally tree a squirrel in the front yard with a dog in July. Wow. Put that dog up, and there'll be a squirrel in the backyard. I can grab a different dog, put it right on that squirrel. That's great. I do it all I'll be watching TV, and I'll be like, hold on, there's a squirrel out there. I can't stand it when people call me on the phone because I try to be polite and talk to them and finish that conversation. But if there's a squirrel out there in the yard, it's literally driving me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Do you notice a difference, or is there any consistency in ages that these dogs start? We talk about this a lot on every episode that, you know, you get the dogs that are starting in five months or or younger sometimes or late starting dogs but do you see uh, anything with that uh, any consistency in, in the age of the dog starting or are you getting these dogs at a certain age and going from there oh uh, no there's no consistency and i get them at all ages and people ask me what, what what age do you want them well you know if i had them at say three months old i'm gonna have them training four months old then again they might not be mature enough at all yeah so i i do try to tell them you know probably seven months to a year old Mm -hmm. but i have been brought some dogs that were kenneled up and they were two years old and never been food with and actually was able to start them wow Uh, of course two of my dog abby that i'd sold (laughs) yeah and she's but uh i mean that's at least three two-year-olds i have started now and they started relatively easy actually okay i was going to ask that question do you notice that the older they get maybe the more difficult it is and the reason i ask that is i've been there myself and i hate to see people you know get a dog and and put their hard-earned time and money into it and just give up on it because it's not treeing squirrels at eight nine months old and i you know i just want people to understand that you know these dogs don't necessarily start that young and just you know don't give up you know Uh uh-uh uh-uh I mean, if one's a year old and it ain't doing anything, it's more than likely just because he ain't had the right exposure. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he'll get the right exposure, probably by the time he's two years old, you know, he'll be all he'll be all right, or at least getting on on the right track, you know. Yeah. You uh, you start. I know you said you started a lot of cur dogs. Uh, what are some things that when you take that dog in the woods? I know, and I've, I've, I think we talked a little bit about this on the phone the other night. Let's say uh, they bring you to the dog. What are some things that you look for? Maybe a mistake that dog's making, or some things or that you have to correct, or maybe things you see in a lot of dogs that you have to correct or get right before before that dog really moves on. Well, I mean, if the eggs are brought to me, they don't necessarily—they don't necessarily—they're not doing anything necessarily wrong. They just need to be put in the woods and, and time spent with them. Mm-hmm. Now, what is helpful to me is if somebody brings me a dog to start, is that that dog has been broke to the leash, so that when I leash him up at a tree, let's say it's one dogs need leashed up a tree because they want to take off on you, that way he don't fight the leash. You know, because sometimes I get a dog in and, and he'll fight the leash. So for like for the first week, I can't really leash him up. I just, you know, have to try to keep him on the tree best I can because yeah. I put him on leash. He completely loses his mind and his focus. And it's all about that leash and getting away. So a dog has been tied out on a, on a chain some and, and, and leashed and, and, and walked on the leash and stuff like that. That helps a lot because then I don't have to waste any time on that and uh if the dog has been food with with drags and and maybe it's barking and finding drags then he'll want to start hunting and finding the real thing when he starts smelling it out there you know yeah anything you can do to expose them to hunting uh games you know hides and things like that it is is helpful uh, like i said the dog that's only existed in the kennel to be fed and watered man you got a lot of hopes in that one yeah you're you're almost fighting a losing battle uh, you're stacking yep. stacking the odds against yourself and the dog i know I, I don't know much about it but i can speak to that experience too but uh now i oh, think yeah. you said you actually when when these dogs tree are you you leashing the dog to the tree 
it depends on the dog. If I can get him to stay there without the leash, I think I'm ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I can keep him in there with voice commands and just simply petting him up and keeping him excited, I, I try that. If, if that don't work, I leash him up. The, the best answer is to always leash them up. But I, I try to make sure they're doing it without getting leashed up so when they go home, they'll at least stay there long enough for the handler to get to the tree and leash them up. Because when you get to the tree to start looking for the squirrel, the dog really needs to be leashed up because he's going to get bored and lose his focus while you're walking around looking for the squirrel. Yeah. But the reason I don't do it on my, when I got them for that month that I got them is because I'm right on top of them. I'm right on top of them as soon as they tree it. I'm, I'm petting them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping them focused and all that. Now, but like when he goes home to you, you need to leash him up when you get to the tree uh, to reinforce, I'm supposed to stay here. I'm supposed to stay here. He's going to come up here and pet me and be all excited because I'm doing this. You know, but you need to leash him up. And then that way they stay when you're backed up looking for a squirrel. Oh, yeah. You uh, you, tree, you, you train uh, cur dogs and you train feist as well, I believe you said. But uh, yeah. what are some of the big differences that you see? And I'm asking this question. Maybe we have somebody out there that's trying to, to, to make a choice right now and looking for a pup or a dog. But what are some of the main differences you see between the cur dog and, let's say, a feist dog? How, how they hunt out, uh, how they perform in the woods, maybe their range or <laughs> if they're tight on the tree. What are some of those differences that you can tell when you hunt those dogs? Well, cur dog seems to be more track minded you know when he's smelling one on the ground and stuff and and, and checking trees than the feist and the feist seems to look for them a little bit more than the cur of course now i've had them both breeds do everything very similar and it just varies so much from dog to dog i've had a little bit better luck with the curse starting younger Mm-hmm. than the feist i've i've certainly had feist come through here and i've owned feist every bit as good as any cur i've got you can't really say the cur is better or the feist is better or anything like that the cur might have an edge as far as making a combo dog mm-hmm. and squirrel but uh and, and i've had feist go just as far just as fast as the cur and i've had curs hunt close like everybody thinks the feist always does six of one half dozen of the other they've all got their own personalities Yes, yes. Every dog's got its own personality. That is fact. I've got a cur, and I've also got a feist, and I, I'm working with both of them right now. And uh, it it seems like uh, my feist can take more. It, you would think it would be the other way around. My feist can actually take a little bit more uh, disciplinary action, I guess you'd say, than my cur. Yeah. Uh, my cur gets butt hurt at me. He he. If I, <laughs> if, I if I fuss at him real hard, boy, he'll just it just hurts his feelings all over. Mine are the same way. The little dog I'm hunting now, Swimmer, she's very temperamental. I, you can't get on to her. It's just whatever she does is just got to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to make up for mistakes by getting it, getting a lot of loving on her for getting it right. Right. You know, yeah. we, we can kind of flow into it there. That kind of falls back onto the training. You know, we were, we were, he was asking right. you about the differences in the, in the feist and the curve, but there's differences in even in the breed. It, uh, there's no one, there, you couldn't just write down a set of notes for every dog to follow. No, you sure can't. You just got to get them, work with them, figure out their personality, right. and, uh, yeah. and adjust to it and figure out what that dog needs. Uh, one thing I'll ask you, when you've got these dogs and, and you're training them for other people, I think, personally, I think a lot of mistakes can be made with the collars nowadays and, and shocking the dog. But how do you correct with the collar? I don't use collar at all okay. when I'm starting yeah. it off. I'm starting it off you. There is no collar. I ain't going to use a collar. Mm-hmm. And even when I got a dog from mine, about the only time I would shock is, let's, let's, let's say Newt, he's, he's hog trashy, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if I was out hunting and he had a shock collar on, he's running a hog, then I would shock him. Okay. Other than that, my dogs ain't getting shocked. I was going to shock Abby one night because she was jacking the tree, you know, mm-hmm. jumping up and down. I had it set pretty low, and she just quit. Buddy, I run, gave her some hug and love right away. I said, hey, baby, yeah. that's never going to happen again, ever. <laughs> my, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my bad. That's, uh, whatever whatever you think is happening, it ain't happening no more, girl. So she's, And she's probably just jacking the tree because I was there. I don't think they jack the trees when you're out 400 yards away. I think they jack the tree and they're getting excited when you get there. Yeah. So I ain't, I ain't much for shocking a dog. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I know the last podcast we had, uh, we talked a little bit about that. And when that dog's doing that, you're typically not in the, in the best mindset right. sometimes. So, 
you know, you can have a tendency to take that too far. And then I, that's what I, my concern would be is, is you know, right. take it easy, you know, and I, uh, I think I've heard people even say when they're younger, now I, this is, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I've heard people talk about when they're pups or they're younger, they'll, they'll let them run a, a deer, a little piece or, you know, or something. And, uh, I guess. Oh yeah. To, Running a deer, nothing in my opinion for these cur dogs, nearly all of them will break their self on their own doing absolutely nothing. I've, I've never had trouble running deer with a dog hardly after it was six months, seven months old. Okay. They just, they just, just quit it on their own. Now, hog, other hand or armadillos a little juice ever and that might be you know yeah. okay somebody told me once what what you do and, and i believe them it's like well, let's say they get after armadillo you let them think the armadillo did it or yeah. or you let them pig did it you only do it in that circumstance and i, I kind of i'm good with that yeah now one time i was talking about abby and she refused to come to me when i was ready to go home and she was looking at me and i was saying come here girl come here girl come here girl I did juice her a little bit then, and she came to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Other, other, I ain't I ain't much for juicing dog if they if they're on something like a hog or an armadillo or something, or if they just out and out define you by, you know, they they looking at you and you're calling them to come here and they won't come here. Maybe a little tone, let them know you something's fixing to happen is appropriate. But I don't believe in just toning them or shocking them because they got too deep or or either they. You know, got loose on the tree. You know, if I'm there to see them get loose on the tree, I'm there to tell them to get back on the tree. So why would I want to shock them? Uh, now, some people, the minute their feet come off the tree and they're afraid to leave the tree, well, I'm more interested in dog getting the right tree rather than, well, I treat here and he might have seen me. I can't check nothing else. I better stay right here. Yeah. And then there's nothing in the tree. Yeah, I see of course, your point. You don't, get a minus, you don't get a minus in the competitions, but you also ain't going to get a plus. Yeah. Give that dog a little time to get treed right and you, then you're going to have more squirrels in the tree i see that and i, I see right now you've uh you, you go live a lot of days right now and you're posting a lot of videos right now as far as uh hunting this time of year when the leaves are on the tree uh do you think that has could have any negative effect on a young dog that's a question that i ask myself a lot of times and i i get discouraged this time of year going because mm -hmm. there's so many leaves on the tree and i hate it when i walk away but then again in competition you never shoot the squirrel out so do you think this exactly. time of year, especially training a young dog, does that have a negative effect on that dog? Well, I'll answer it like this. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how can you stand to squirrel hunt every day? <laughs> so that's how often I do it. And I said, well, I said, well, every tree is different. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, no, I don't think treating them when the leaves are on is any kind of negative whatsoever. If that dog's treeing hard on that tree, I just assume that's the tree he went up. Like, you know, I went hunting today, managed to see nine, and I don't know how many trees we made, 13 or 14 or something like that. You just tell them it's in a hole, and they just go off and look for another one. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, I, I, I never even thought about that, but I, I can't remember. Kind of looked at it from the perspective of people to understand a lot of that dog's reward comes from your praise. You know, praising yes. that dog and tell him he's doing good and excited on the tree and and so much of that comes from that as well. And I and I guess that is it. That dog wanting to please you, but I, I guess in the back right. of my mind, I've wondered that if I'm really hurting my dog when I don't reward him with the squirrel. But man, I think that's uh, that's become more of a mm -hmm. thing nowadays. As you hear these guys talk about a lot, especially training dogs that they just you know they don't shoot the squirrel out they go from one tree to the next or maybe every third squirrel so yeah i think you know just praising them and petting them is good enough and i don't praise them if i don't think they got it right if they're not convinced if they're if they're checking half a dozen trees yeah no i just i just kind of ignore that and call them and say come on that was in a hole let's yeah. go get one we can find now if the dog locks down on a tree whether i can see it or not because like i said i hunt every day almost mm -hmm. year round and you just pat them up and go on yeah. you know and then when the leaves are off the trees and gun season's in <laughs> then you can reward them oh yeah <laughs> and, I, and i ask those questions and we talk about this a lot too but yeah i, I really want to see the sport grow and do great and i i I want to put out the information to help people not get discouraged and have something to listen to to say, okay, man, you know, this is maybe taking a little longer than I thought, or or maybe I'm not doing this wrong, or this is what I can do right. And I just want to put out all the good information we can to help everybody along. Yeah, that that that's a question that I I've kind of wondered myself from time to time. But uh, when you bring a pup home, how soon are you introducing that pup to the to the woods with you? 
as far as uh, maybe hunting or shooting a gun or things like that? <laughs> Probably the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so as soon as you can get him out there, you're, you, you've got him out there and kind of getting used to things. Yeah, as soon as he can follow me, you know, he he can go to the woods. That way, he's learning how to negotiate bushes and logs and water and all that kind of stuff. It's all about exposure, giving them exposure. Do you work on verbal commands as far as, uh, as stay or anything like that or as far as obedience training when they're young? Do you work on anything like that at all? I, I really don't. Uh, I just want them to come to me when I call them, get on that tree when I tell them to. You know, if they get a little loose on that tree, I tell them get back on the tree or I give them a little eh, eh, get back. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. As far as that fancy sit and don't move and don't eat till I tell you to and all that kind of stuff, I don't really do all that. Yeah. It, it, it'd look cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, and another question we talk about, and I, like I said, I, I, I ask a lot of these questions if I talk to anybody about training, because I want everybody's opinion, but uh, let's say a person has a dog that's loose on the tree, or maybe, uh-huh. you know, you see it all the time. When you get within sight of that dog, he kind of maybe wants to run to you or uh, get yeah. off that tree a little bit. What What's your process in helping that along to, or, or correcting that? Well, that's the dog you need to leash up when you get to the tree. Uh, you know, if he's running to meet me, I just tell him, get back, get back on that tree. And then when I, then I get up there and I leash him up, pet him up, and mm-hmm. get him fired up and then I step back and kind of look for a squirrel. If they're loose at the tree, mm-hmm. you leash them, leash them. Great. Get better at that. Especially once you start shooting squirrels down to them, they're like, oh, if I stay here, this is what happens. So if that dog runs, let's say you're walking in 30, 35 yards from the tree, you just go ahead and leash him up, take him back to that tree. You don't move on to the next tree. You'll go ahead and take him back to that tree and follow up from yeah, there. Yeah, we go back to that tree he just left. Okay. And I just tell him, on that tree, they usually run right back to it. Okay. I said, get on that tree. Get on. They run back to it, you know, and if, if I seen which one it was, that's where I go leash him, but they usually run back to the right one, and then you just go on up and leash them there. Do you and if you can shoot that squirrel, that, you, that helps a whole lot. What about barking on the tree? Do you see uh, the dogs, some dogs start out slow barking. Do you see that improve? I know my little dog, um, yeah. you know, he has times where he's barking. He, he barks great on the tree and more excited, but I guess some dogs don't bark as much as, uh, as others. But is that something that you see uh, that can be improved upon as you hunt the dog or something that gets better? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it'll get better. And sometimes there's just that dog that that's just how much he's going to bark. And if he barked enough to get you there, he really done his job. Yeah. And of course, now in a competition hunt, he better bark every two minutes. But if he's barking enough to get you there, actually that's better because then he's not really wore out. Now, a dog is barking like, you know, 120 barks a minute. That dog, yeah, that's tough on him. He's he's exhausted by the time you get there. But it's really good, you know. Yeah. Man, that dog's hammering. We all like that. But it wears them out. Actually, a dog somewhere in the middle. Let's say you got a dog that barks 20 times in a minute. Well, that gets a little bit boring. You got a dog that barks 120 times a minute, then he gets exhausted. So ideally, if a dog barks about 60 times, he's probably perfect. You know, that's something I hadn't thought of. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't. What's your thoughts on on, on timbering out? Is that something you want to see a dog do, or do you want to see your dog tight to the tree? Ooh, that is a good, good question, (laughs) because... out can burn you in these competitions but as a pleasure hunter oh my god i get as excited as the dog yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want my dog to follow that squirrel because i'm a pleasure hunter first even though i go every weekend i can yeah. to a competition if that dog stays under a squirrel i'm a happy camper i know my little dog when i when i first uh, got him i wasn't sure about that and then the first couple times i seen him timber a squirrel out i was Oh, yeah. I was very excited because, you know, that's that's what I want as a pleasure hunter. I want to see him follow the squirrel. But I know in the competition aspect that uh, that's frowned upon, I believe. And Yeah, in the competitions, I can't wait to minus you. That dog's moving. That dog's moving. Of course, now, in most of them, if you're there to see it happen, you ain't minus, you know, so long as the dog stays treed and all that. When a dog moves from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, you know, it's hard to prove his timbering if you weren't there to see it. <laughs> okay. What about uh, what about male and female dogs? What's the, what's some of the difference you see between a male and a female dog, or do you prefer to hunt one over the other? Uh, well, I've hunted them both and done well with both. It's, it's totally a ter- uh, personal preference, and I don't really have one. Okay. The male dogs tend to be a little more aggression issues. 
and or wanting to mount female issues whereas a female all you really got to worry about in most cases is is missing out twice a year for her being in heat so a lot of people prefer females for that reason and you can have a equally good dog in, in either sex that's that's a fact for sure yeah yeah i hear that i also hear a lot that uh, when you're buying a pup or something off somebody now I, I you can ask i'll ask your opinion but you don't have to give it to me but uh if somebody's looking for a pup i hear a lot of people talk about the fact that i think they think maybe you're better off to to uh favor more of the mother side of the uh the breed than the father side if you know what i'm talking about uh <laughs> Maybe the mother's more favor her breed more is picking the dog or picking your pup and and, and who the mother is rather than the father. Uh, Do you see anything to that? Well, here's the way I see that one. When you get a puppy, it's fifty percent mama, fifty percent daddy. Okay. (laughs) So how do you how do you decide who had what? You just try to pick a puppy whose both parents have a, a good stuff in the pedigree that you know about, and and to pick out the individual puppy. I just picked the one I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear it. Yeah, yeah. What about, uh, we talked a little bit about competition hunting, and me or Steven, neither one are, are competition hunters. And for those people out there like that, do you mind to go over a few of the rules of competitions? And, you know, I know um, from what I hear that uh, your dog plays a big role in it, but as much as the dog plays a role in it, you as the handler, uh, I guess, hold an equal value somewhat as to how you call your dog or, or, or how you perform while you're out there as far as knowing the rules. And can you touch just a little bit on that for those that don't know? Yeah. The, the, it's a team effort for sure. Dog and a handler. And uh, that's why my dog has to be a lot better than most people's dogs because my dog has a poor hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've been doing this for 10 years and going every weekend. And I still make mistakes all the time call my dog too soon or gamble when i shouldn't or, or whatever you know all the rules are pretty basic in most of them your dog has to stay treed two minutes uh, if it quits barking they put a clock on you and it has to bark again within two minutes that's for stuff if you see a squirrel that's what you call plus point if you don't see a squirrel that's circle points you can have 400 circle and i can treat time and have the squirrel i beat you because i had a squirrel and that's typically the way I win most of mine. Some I might be getting my socks beat off on circle trees. Yeah. But if if one squirrel, it ain't over until the time goes off. You know, depending on what tree you're in, if you're if you're treed on this tree, the dog has a certain distance that it can move five feet in NSD. It's uh, sixty feet on OMCBA that it can move around, but still showing a tree. Most of the registries now, if you get to that tree and your dog puts its nose on the ground, stops treeing, he has 15 seconds to get back to treeing. Okay. Without being, without being minus. And you'd be minus for however many points you were treating in for. Of course, now 15 seconds, that dog looks up, pulls a vine, or puts its feet on a tree. It ain't necessarily got bark. It's just got to show that, hey, I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm really here. Mm-hmm. I'm treed. I'm yep. looking for it. It's up there somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so long as the dog's looking up, barking, pulling vines, anything to indicate he's treed. But if that nose is on the ground for sixteen seconds, then then they can get you. Okay. Okay. And another question I had is when you have a dog and you said you are equally a pleasure hunter as much as you are a competition hunter. But how far yeah. do you how far do you want your dogs to hunt out from you? Or have you ever done anything to correct how far they're hunting out? Let's say a person has that dog that just goes a thousand yards and and they don't feel like walking that far. Uh, is it, you know, and I've uh, asked that question before. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, you can do things to make that dog hunt closer, but you can't do anything to make a dog hunt farther. Hardly. Uh, I mean, some people can. They might want to switch their dog or whatever. I don't do that. Yeah. My dog's pretty natural. I rely on breeding get my dogs to, to have drive and, and go power yeah but yeah if the dog went too far you can kind of tone him that usually uh, uh stop him from going on and on or, or might even have to juice him but preferably just tone him or whatever and he'll start hunting closer to you but when, when they're hunting close like let's say they're hunting about 100 yards out and you want them to go a thousand yards because ain't no squirrels moving that day yeah i ain't much 
do for that. That's just going to be breeding. Yeah, and, and, I, and besides, I don't really want to go a thousand yards for a squirrel anyway. No, I don't either. All I want is for my dog to be busy. If he's exactly. busy, if he's cut woods, I don't care if it's three hundred yards, two hundred yards. I just want that dog busy. Uh, now, a straight line dog that, that goes on out through there. That'll, that'll help you win. You know, he's mm-hmm. out there 800 yards. The mother dogs, you got to walk past them because you go to the dog, whichever dog's treed first, right? But also, when that dog's lines out like that, uh, sometimes you get beat because he gets too deep. You can't hear him, and the other dogs get treed, and, and he has to wait a long time for you to get there. Yeah. So, six one, half a dozen of those. Exactly. You know, I think somebody, I think it was Jared Hughes said a few podcasts ago that, uh, He'd a whole lot rather have to take something out of a dog than have to put something in a dog. Uh, yes, it's yes. a whole lot harder to have to put it in the dog. Right, so taking it out may be a battle, but it's 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 still it's it's better to do that than have to put something in it. Exactly. You uh you 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 train pups for people. I know that. So how many how many pups are you training at a time? How many how many pups for people are you keeping at a time? And how are you hunting those? I'll only take two at a time. That way, I can still get plenty of time on them, lots of time on them, and I can throw one of mine out every now and then at least keep it from getting fat i have noticed that working other people's dogs is to the detriment of mine you know at, at first i thought man i'll retire i can probably take four dogs a month uh. no way no way not the way i do it i literally do it all day long i look outside there's squirrels on the ground i run and grab a dog mm-hmm. i do it all if the squirrels are cooperating like like today i even took a trainee out gun hunting and shot her first three squirrels down to her should have been four, but somebody can't shoot, and I guess I'll say it's me. I'm guilty of that myself most of the time. It happens to all of us. Have, have those days where I make shots, and I go, my goodness, that was awesome. And then I have those days like, ah, I'm glad nobody's here to see this. <laughs> yeah, that's most of my days, yeah. I, that's what I was telling uh, uh, Stephen the last time that we, we went out. Uh, my, of course, my dog treed, and I, got the, I had to beat on the tree, you know, for a, quite a long while to get the squirrel to move. And finally he did. He took off up the tree. Well, I shot with, I had a shotgun and I'm, I thought, man, I know I hit that squirrel. There's no way I missed that. And so I kind of sit there with my dog a minute talking. And, uh, I bet you it seemed like 45, 50 seconds went by and that squirrel about hit me on the head falling out of the tree. <laughs> it just took hey, That's funny when that happens. I've had it happen. <laughs> it took him that long to let go. And I, you know, if it would have been too much longer, I would have walked away. I'd give up on it. So, but yeah, I'm not, apparently I'm not a very good shot myself. <laughs> well, it's, well, part of it's I'm not a good shot, and the other part of it is I buy the cheapest shells you can get your hands on. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, nowadays you have to do that. Yeah, he's a little dangerous anyway. Uh, Kevin is. I had a bad, is I had he? a couple bad experiences. Yeah. This we went out uh, Sunday morning, and uh, of course, you know, I, I don't carry anything to knock on a tree with, so I, I pick up the obvious dead limb. And, uh, yeah. man, that thing come back and busted my nose. It broke, and I, I bled oh, like a stuck bled. hog. And so then the next time it trees, <laughs> there's a there's a, uh, there's a vine there, probably the size of a six-by-six six post at the base. <laughs> and I get to shaking <laughs> that thing, and everything but the tree come down on me. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. There so was I, a deadfall up there. I, I, it was as big around as my leg. And I, I was over – I was kind of off from him a little bit. And I was trying to watch for the squirrel, which actually when I, when he broke that loose, I seen the squirrel go up the tree, but I was too busy yelling at him to move. Cause yeah, I was really? like, yeah. Cause I was like, man, we're down in here. I, I can't carry you out of here. <laughs> I, I, I beat uh, him a couple of months ago and it knocked me put him to the ground. Uh, oh, I yeah. mean, I, I was glad I had one of my helmets on, you know? Oh yeah. I was like, Woo. You was talking about coon hunt, uh, I know you have a combo dog. Am I am I correct? Absolutely. At least I call him combo dog. Now sometimes other people might not call what I have a combo dog. <laughs> <laughs> How soon? Let's say you've got a cur dog or another dog that you've squirrel hunted, and you you've started him on squirrels. How uh-huh. young are you introducing this dog to coon hunting? How how young do you say okay? Uh, because you hear all the time, and I think I've said it before, it seems like I hear that maybe most dogs will favor one or the other. A lot of times, from what I hear, it's maybe a coon. At what age are you introducing that, that squirrel dog, if you'll excuse me? If you're using that squirrel dog for coon hunting, at what age are you going to introduce him into the, the coon hunting world? Probably right away. Now, saying that, now, to my detriment, I've lost many a squirrel hunts because I'd have a dog get on a cold coon track. Matter of fact, I had a 
a hater one time hating on me or something. He sent me a picture of a scorecard from a squirrel hunt. He said, how come you don't ever post scorecards like this? Well, <laughs> the one, one, that one, my dog wasn't on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I said, okay. I said, yeah, I remember that. I said, he did treat two coons that day though. I said, but I, I said, but I normally post scorecards like this, and then I post one at six hundred plus, a hundred circle. Oh my! Yeah, I mean, why would why would I post one where I lost? I yeah, mean, nobody's going to do that. <laughs> That's yeah. like uh, I've said that before, you know. And I, I posted a video a while back. Uh, I, you know, we like to post the best videos of our dogs. You know, we like to show them off. And I I finally posted one where Chaco was was just frustrating me to death. And I was like, you know, we don't post many videos like this, but I said, I want to post it just so everybody knows it happens every now and then, <laughs> you know, because we all post the best videos, but we don't post the one where the dog's leaving the tree and you you feel like hanging him and he won't, you know, he's not doing anything to listen to you, but it, it happens. That's funny because, you know, I, you, you see I post a lot on my page. Well, that's marketing. That's so people can see it, so the, my clients can see it. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and somebody said, hey, uh, I tuned in one of your videos and it vanished. What, what, what's wrong? With, what's, what's going on? I said, well, that one started out good and then it didn't look so good. <laughs> so I deleted <laughs> We'll shut that one down real quick. <laughs> and you'll see me from time to time. I'll... I'll, I'll, I like to post the good videos, but I, every now and then I just like to throw them out there. If nothing else, just to get a little conversation going, you know, you maybe get some good advice on what your dog's doing wrong. Yeah. And I'm walking in there and a the dog's treated up really, really hard. And you hear me go, oops. And the video stops. Yeah. yeah. That's cause that tail looks a little funny on that critter. <laughs> <laughs> See, you got yourself a possum dog. Yeah. Oh, I got some possum dogs now. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, I, you know, I oddly enough, I, I don't think I've ever I've had them tree chipmunks and coons, but I don't think I've ever had them tree a possum yet. But that that day's coming, I'm I'm sure. Oh, that day's got to be coming. That's yeah. not even normal. Yeah, I I don't know how that's escaped me, and I think I seen a video uh, here on Facebook and here not too long ago where a dog would treat a fox. Oh, I treat a fox one. So they that, sure did. Man, I thought that was that was crazy. Mm -hmm. Here a while back, here, here last week, the, the coyote dog, and I thought that was crazy. But, yeah, when I seen a fox being treated I, uh, next to a black bear, a fox, or something like that, I thought, man, that's that's yeah. pretty out there. Yeah. I, that one I treated that time, I was like, that's pretty cool. They scoot up the tree kind of like a bear. They climb kind of like a bear. Huh. And uh, I leashed the dog up and pulled him off of it. And I walked a pretty good ways. I cut him back loose. I didn't think that thing would tree again. He treated that fox again. But that's the only time I've ever treated. But that same dog that treated him treated two different times on uh, spotted skunks. Oh, man. And, and, and they're rather rare. I mean, matter of fact, I've only seen two in wow. my life. And it's because they treat them. That's where they got their name Civic Cat from, you know, because they can climb. The striped skunk can't, but the spotted skunk can. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, well, I didn't know, I didn't know it. I didn't know it either. I had somebody coon hunting with me. It was one of their first. Uh, might have been their first ever coon hunt. And he said, "Oh, I see it. It's a it's a skunk." And I said, "Oh no, it ain't no skunk. It might be possum probably, but it ain't no skunk." Mm -hmm. Well, I, it was a skunk. And and then a few months later, I treated another one. That was pretty interesting. That is. That's pretty good. Well, back back to the training just real quick. Uh, just for those guys, uh, maybe a few questions we haven't asked. Uh, there is a very you get mixed opinions on all these questions, and it's all relative, relative, I guess, to what you want to do. But do you have anything against uh, uh, catching a live squirrel and introducing uh, maybe that little squirrel in in a in a live trap to a young pup, or or using the drags or the hangs or anything like that? Or is there anything that you see people do with that that maybe they shouldn't do? Well, I've had some here where I've absolutely had to catch a squirrel to show it to them, to get them fired up. And, and I don't like doing that because the squirrel can't take a lot of stress. The warmer it is, the worse it is. And so if I do catch one in a trap, I, I try not to let them, I don't let them tree it very long. Okay. Right. But I'll, I'll, I'll do that one or two times, no more than that. And, and part of the trouble is, too, that the dog will fixate on, on the trap. Sometimes you can let the squirrel out. Dog don't even see him leave the trap. He gets so fixated on the trap. So that's why you hear people say you don't need to show them cage game. You don't need to show them cage game. Mm -hmm. And that's that's true. If you can avoid it, you need to avoid it. But every once in a while, I'll get one in. It's just 
I mean, that's that's the only way I can find out if the dog's brain dead or not. Yeah. And and if they'll chase it once it or release it out of that trap really close to a tree, so I might squirrel out can escape. And and I've used house cats in training before. I had one cat that was so good, I could call him out of the tree after I put the dogs up. Oh, <laughs> I'd let him treat. That's awesome. <laughs> I'd run and put the dog up, and I'd say, come on, buddy. They're gone. Come on. Come on down. And I videoed it several times. That's great. And that, that cat would come right out of the tree, and he'd run to the house. That's <laughs> His name was Moneymaker. 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 I like it. <laughs> I like that. And I, I love to ask these questions because, like I said, more than anything, I, and I, I repeat myself, but I just don't want people getting discouraged and thinking maybe they're messing up by doing something or, or maybe they're – uh, messing the dog up, but you know, and I keep reiterating that uh, I, I hear all the time of, of these dogs that don't start or really uh, improve that much until they're well over a year old. So you know, that, I want people to understand that that's very, very possible and and and, and common and can happen. And, and and all of them don't start out just as young super dogs. That's a fact. That is a fact. Usually, it, it takes them a good two squirrel seasons to really make a good solid dog it seems like is there anything out there that uh, you can give our listeners is 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 if they're like i said if they're doing this is there uh something that you make sure you do that's consistent or something that you make sure you don't do that's consistent whether it be uh when you feed your dog or or maybe you exercise your pups or any 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 information you can give them the main thing is just spend as much time in the woods as possible if the dog ain't wanting to explore out there in the woods you know i sit down and start I'll argue with somebody on Facebook or something. The dog gets bored and goes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And or, that, or like or like coon hunting, sometimes I'll just take a nap on top of the dog box till the dog gets bored and goes on. Yeah, and that's a common thing, too. If they've never been introduced to it, that pup will hang around you for quite a long time, especially when he's young. Uh, he's not right. just going to take off and be, you know, 100 yards or even 200 yards out uh and I don't know how much people understand that, but most pups you get are going to hang around your feet and within eyesight for quite a long time. Right. And that's why you just got to get out in the woods and walk some trails. If you've got some places where you can walk some dirt roads where he'll walk out ahead of you 40, 50 yards, and then he, they hear something over in the bushes and he takes off to chase it and that sort of stuff. It's that exposure I talk about. It's it, it is all about exposure. Absolutely. And uh, then once, once he'll do that right off of a, a dirt road or a horse trail or whatever well then you can go on out in the woods because he's going to start be hunting everywhere he wanting to find one it's just just get them out there and get in the woods i mean there's no easy way to make a squirrel dog no. that's that's why people get pretty good prices for squirrel dogs now because it ain't easy no not at all yeah when i first got into this about 10 12 years ago see i grew up just with old guard dogs or whatever and, and we went hunting for whatever they were hungry i was hungry you know, we just hunted and some of them made squirrel dogs and i ran rabbits and junk quail whatever you know i i had a lot of fun doing that so i, I had an opportunity to get a get back in it and i was gonna buy a dog until i got a price on the dog i was like <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh not this guy we're buying a puppy <laughs> and, absolutely and so, then I just bought a puppy and I just went and went. And that's the only way you can do it. You just got to go. Yeah. And, and I don't want people to think, and not me and you talked about that a little bit last night with the price of dogs. Uh, if somebody's interested in getting in the sport, they don't necessarily have to be a seasoned hunter to start a pup. Uh, because no. a lot of these dogs, a lot of these pups you buy, it's bred up so much in them. As long as you're introducing them into a halfway squirrel rich environment and you're doing it often enough and working with them, it's eventually going to come out. That's what I believe. Right. right. It's, it's in the breeding. You just got to give the instincts a chance to get to work. And, it, and if they'd like, they just they get that puppy, get seven, eight months old, they just send him to me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I know you were – and I'm going to kind of back up a little bit because this is something that I've, I'm kind of dealing with here just a little bit. Uh, you're – I know you said that the, that you will use a hang up and use a drag. Uh, what kind of advice can you give me on using that? Because I, I'm 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 thinking about implementing that on one of my pups. Well, I get a a, a hide. I, you can skin one out yourself, or you can buy a tanned one or whatever. But I get a a, a hide, and I order some of that squirrel scent. Or if I'm using a coon hide for coon training, I'll I'll get some coon scent, and I'll put a few drops of that on there and make it smell a little stronger where they just about you know gotta smell it you know right. they, they come 
you walk them by where you laid it at. But doing those drags, it ain't real easy. Because I try to throw it up in the tree just as far as I can get it and make it as hard for them to see it as possible. Because I want them to find it by scent mm-hmm. and then make then maybe see it and, and help hold them there. Man, it's hard to find the right tree to throw that thing up into without it getting hung on the wrong trees and, and, <laughs> and or getting it high enough. And, or if you get it high enough, sometimes it gets stuck and you almost can't get it back. That's, that's a lot of work. I don't, I don't know if people realize that or not. Now, now, you can do easy ones where you want to run around and drag it out there for a little bitty puppy and hang it up four or five feet. That's great. Yeah. But when that puppy's seven, eight, nine months old, you want it to be as close to real hunting as possible. That's hard, especially when you ain't got much of an arm. I, I, yeah. ain't, I didn't play baseball because I wasn't any good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, when I finally find my tree, when I'm doing that drag, I rub that tree and around that tree over and over and over, and then I throw that sucker up. Yeah, as high as I can possibly get it. For some reason, I'm I just I'm not having any luck getting. I, I don't know if he's just I don't know if he just doesn't know the game yet. Fast. He's uh, six months old. Six months old. Yeah. To to get him interested in a hide, if you can get him to just play with it first, uh-huh. you know, play tough or chase it right there under your feet, sling it back and forth five or ten feet. Once that becomes a game to him, then he'll look for it out in the woods for you. But if he ain't got any interest in it, he's you can drag it all through the woods all you want to. He, he just ain't going to have no interest in it because he don't know. But if you'll, if you'll teach him to play with it, I mean, sometimes I'll just skin a squirrel out and just throw the hide in a pen with them. If they eat it, they eat it. If they play with it, they play with it. But they get exposed to it. Yeah, one thing he's got on video that his little feist did, and I, I told him, I was like, man, you need to – Put that on Facebook because it's awful impressive. But when he he had the hang up in the tree, and the his little dog came up probably a good twenty yards out before it ever got to the tree and stood up on his hind legs and was winding that squirrel. Yeah, I and, like it. I like to watch him do that. Man, too. he he stood up and almost just practically walked around, and he had that nose as high as it would get. And yeah. I I told him I said like I mean I'm not a dog trainer or an expert, but something about that looks right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, somebody see that be trying to buy his dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I just that, did that. I just did that. What night before last? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't had a chance to take him out since. Uh, yeah. So uh, put that video. Look, that's a two thousand dollar dog. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he's, he's, he started anyway. <laughs> he started. Yeah. He started. He started. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's a started dog right there. <laughs> and then I can put the picture of the. I, I've got a. I've got the Garmin. I've still got the Garmin hunt where we went the yeah. other day. He went. I don't know what it was. I took him with uh, Kevin's little dog, and uh, they just. I mean, they were fine together, but they didn't want anything to do with each other. Kevin's dog went one way. And Knox is what my little feist name is. He went the other, and Chaco had treed, and we'd went to him, and I hadn't seen Knox for a little bit, and I got to looking, and he was 450 yards away from us. Well, that's good. At that's six, a good sign. At six months yeah. old. So, I I mean, I was I was tickled with that, but I was like, surely to goodness he'll run up on something here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, uh, I think this time of year, which we've got, I think uh, – We've got a lot of things starting to fall now, acorn-wise and things like that. But I think the squirrels are still up in the trees right now for the most part. Yeah, they are. He's he, he's doing he's doing good. He's got a good little dog. He's a little Buckley Feist. And uh, but the more we hear, the more people we interview, and the more we talk about these curves, their mouth gets to watering a little oh, bit. Yeah. So these cur dogs, man, they 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 seem like they've got a fire under. Them. Yeah, they do. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Oh but, well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know, not all of them. And I told you the paperwork don't make the dog. That's yeah. that's one thing for sure. And you've just got to keep it in the woods. I was going to say the paperwork don't treat the squirrels because you can have just any old dog make a fine squirrel dog sometimes. But the paperwork is necessary if you're going to try to breed for something specific. That, that's all about the paperwork. Paperwork should be right. You know yes. what? You hit on that real quick. But uh, do, you, do you sell pups? I do. I think, but in your dogs are registered LMC. Am I right on that? That is correct. That's so correct. when you get a puppy from me, you'd get puppy uh, paperwork that would prove who the parents are. That's I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that, and I wanted to bring that up because we was actually talking about that today. And uh, for those who don't know, can you tell them what LMC means and and what what that what that's about? Yeah. Well, the OMCBA had a vote on whether or not they were going to institute a uh, DNA program. And they decided not to. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, Jimmy Inman, the owner of National Sport Dogs, rolled out his Legacy Mountain Curve program. So Legacy Mountain Curve program, he accepted all the dogs that were currently Mountain Curves in various registries. 
mountain cur registries. So into that program, he accepted OMCBA dogs, Kimmer dogs, Stevens dogs, and United Mountain Cur Association dogs, all of which, in theory at least, would go back to the original 250 dogs that started the mountain cur breed or whatever. So all of those dogs, if they weren't already DNA'd, they had to be DNA'd, being it's the Mountain Curve program, and he had it open for a limited amount of time, and then he closed the registry. So all the dogs with LMC papers are basically establishing the legacy Mountain Curve breed. And basically, he's doing what the founders of the Mountain Curve couldn't do. If you get a OMCBA dog that's got LMC papers, or you get a Kimmer dog that's got LMC papers, or, or any of the crosses, any dog with LMC papers, you're going to get something that says this puppy belongs to is out of Cahaba River Newt and Cahaba River Beagle, for yeah. instance. And so there's there's no controversy to be had about, well, I heard this or I heard that. And it don't matter what anybody heard. You got scientific proof yeah. of what your dog. And one reason so. I bring that up, like I said, we want to see the sport grow. I think it's important, too, that if, if you are looking to get into the sport, do your homework, get your dog, and spend your money from a quality breeder whoever that may be, you know, right. and I, cause the paperwork may not make the dog, but it sure does help. I think the breeding helps if you'll do your research and, mm-hmm. and, and put your time in and, and talk to the right people. I think you can greatly improve your odds of success by doing that. Absolutely. And those people that, you know, they want to breed and mix in various, uh, dogs to make the super squirrel dog. There, there are a lot of registries you can hunt those crossbreed dogs in you know more power to you if you can breed some kind of a, a dog with several different mixes in it it's a super dog mm-hmm. fantastic because what we want we want we want to make squirrel dogs and, mm-hmm. and competition hunt fun and kill squirrels and have fun pleasure hunting so but if but if i was going to get a dog that's from a mixed ancestry i'd also want that pedigree to be right so i'd know how much of this and how much of that yeah so i want mm-hmm. to pick breed into it yeah. You know, if I was hunting one of the other registries. Yeah. Well, one thing I hear nowadays, and years and years and years ago, I, I guess it's when it started, but I guess I never paid attention to it, is more people nowadays, uh, I guess they all don't, but I hear a lot about people breeding for consistency in their litter. Yeah. And I guess that's a good thing. I, I definitely like where, the, I think I like where the future of the sport's going as far as breeding, and I wish we could get, I think I've talked about that before, more young people involved in the breeding aspect of it. But, uh, you know, I think the future looks pretty good with the, with the dogs we're putting out there right now. As long as we can get to, get people to put them in the woods, you know, and bring them upright, I think it, it looks pretty good. Right. Hey, the dogs just seem to be getting better and better, whether it's fast, curves, crosses, or whatever. Uh, they just, you know, because people are picking and choosing. You breed the best to the best, it helps you get the best. But we do need to figure out a way to get more kids involved in this sport because, man, what they want to do now is sit in the house under air conditioners. Yeah. I sure wish I'd have something like this when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been in heaven. Yeah. You, you know, know? And I, I mentioned it a few episodes ago. I know nothing about it. You know, I talked about, you know, I know they have the, the breeder of the year, and I mentioned, you know, maybe if they had a junior breeder of the year, you know, the kids to get involved yeah. in that and, and, and have these, you know, have put these dogs in these hunts. A lot of the registries have a handler of the year for the kids that participate. Oh, and okay. dogs and Awesome. So, so they, they do have that. It's just, it's so hard to get kids involved nowadays because we've made them so soft. Society yeah. has made them mm-hmm. so soft. Demonize hunting, the society does. And so that's why it's important for us always to have our best sportsmanship showing forward in competition hunting and oh, pleasure hunting. Yeah. And then, you know, everything we can to take a kid hunting. I yeah. Mean, yeah. When they're there, make it enjoyable for them and that, you know, make it a, a good exactly. experience. And that, that's what I say every time is, you know, I know they're the future, but you know, we're here. So we've got to do everything we can right now, you know, get them interested and make sure they're introduced to it because it's one of these, right. one of these days it's going to be up to them to do the same thing. And, and kids that are out hunting, they're not out looting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, I, we grew up, I, I grew up in a very small community and I can remember, I always say I had a dog that was, I called a coon dog. And the only thing she did good was come back to me when I whistled. But we, we were still out <laughs> hey, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I done a lot of that coon hunting like that when I was a kid, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the only part of her that was good. I was like, these blue ticks sure sound good. I believe we're going to be treed any minute now. And, you know, and then an hour later, I don't know why they ain't treed yet. Yeah. <laughs> then, oh, then next thing you know, there goes a the fox. Yeah. I said, oh, well, 
That sounds good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds good. I think I I forget what podcast it was. The guy come in. He said I thought I had a a great coon dog with no coons. He said I figured out that I've got a lot of coons and not such a great coon dog. You know, <laughs> been lying yeah. to him. That's that's what I told Stephen. I said I'm fixing to figure out whether when these leaves fall off if. If my dog's lying to me or telling the truth. Yeah, so. he's telling the truth. <laughs> he wasn't seeing them because he, I went with him, and he was like, man, I wouldn't have seen that squirrel. And I was like, well, I'll use underneath the tree with him. But, you know, it, it, We've still got quite a few leaves here in the yeah. canopy. The, the bot, and I'm sure you guys do too. Yes, yes. Now, when does your competition hunt start up? When are those going to fire up, or they, have they already? Oh, they're already. I'm, I'm going to one uh, this weekend. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm I'm supposed to be hunting one, but I need to hunt another registry this weekend, so I got somebody else gonna uh, handle the one I was supposed to be hunting for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I could go. Sometimes I just can't go to all of them. I want to. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. We've kept you on here now over an hour. If you don't care, hang on just a minute, and we'll talk to you. But right now, guys, we're going to end the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week, and be sure to tune in next week for another great episode. Guys, thanks for listening. Please take time to follow me on Facebook and Instagram and tune in next week for another show with Treat Up Podcast.